Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning, Acadiana. It's RP3 and company minus RP3. I'm big, I'm beautiful, but I'm not bald. So I got that going for me. Welcome into RP3 and company, Matt Miguez here. And of course, it wouldn't be RP3 and company without the company. The producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names. Five names, we don't get to work together very often, but it's always fun when we do. Yeah, I think the last time we worked together, I was your producer still. You were. But James is over there it with was, you. <laughs> it was the three of us. It, it was definitely the three of us. weird having just being me and you. And uh, No donut. When it, when it was the three of us, we were told that the three of us needed to have our own show. Yes. I mean, I would still be down for that. It'd be a great show. It would. It would. <laughs> I mean, me and James would sit here and do like a first take style debate. And and you would just be the moderator that would you know reel us back in. Yeah, like oh god, guys, um, oh. st- still on there. Just calm down. Yeah, that would be fun. Anyways, we've got a big Monday morning show for you today, including Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network at seven thirty at eight o'clock. How about Rage and Cajuns offensive coordinator Tim Leger? Going to join the program, talk about the Cajuns in 2022. And then at 8.30, the Big Easy Blitz with our guy, Ross Jackson, of the Locked on Saints podcast and the Saints News Network. couple top stories to look at. A ruling on the Deshaun Watson scenario will come today. Three more cases were settled over the weekend. Only one civil lawsuit stands against Deshaun Watson currently, and Judge Sue Robinson is expected to make a decision today. Watson's team and the NFL spoke at length over the weekend trying to settle on a punishment, but they're still a a pretty good ways off. Uh, Deshaun Watson's camp says that they won't take more than a six to eight game suspension while the NFL is spitting out that they're thinking a 12 game suspension with a $8 million fine. So they're, they're still a, they're still a good ways away there, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Also Debo Samuel finally getting his contract with the San Francisco 49ers. He agrees to a three year $73.5 million deal, making him one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. $58.1 million in guaranteed money. 
He's the seventh wideout to sign a deal this offseason worth $24 million per year. And before this season, there was only one wide receiver in the league to hit that mark, and that was DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals. And then this is the story that we will spend the biggest amount of time on, and it is the passing of one of the greatest players in NBA history in Bill Russell. Uh, he died yesterday at the age of 88. Arg- Actually, not arguably. There's, there's no question. He is the greatest winner in team sports. The guy just knew how to win. I mean, he won two national championships in college, came into the NBA, won 11 NBA championships, including eight in a row, uh, two of them as a player slash coach. Back in, back in the 50s and 60s, that was still kind of a thing. He played and coached at the same time. No way that would happen today. No way. And then, you know, Olympic gold medalist. He spent time as a head coach after he retired. The NBA Finals MVP trophy is named after him. Just an absolute legend in the world of basketball. We'll spend some more time on that a little later on in this morning's show. The poll question of the day. You know, you've heard for, for a couple days now with the trade deadline looming in major leagues that the Astros were aggressive and they were going to make a trade and it was going to be a big one and they were going to fill some holes. And and I'm not naive to the fact that the biggest trades are going to happen tomorrow morning or tonight. However, as somebody who covers the Houston Astros and knows the way that they usually handle these things, I find it very concerning that we have been in the heat of the trade deadline for five days now, and the Astros have made zero moves. I find it a little concerning. There's there's talks about Josh Bell. I think he would be a great fit for the Astros. I think he immediately shores up the Yuli Gurriel conundrum. That guy. How do you go from the batting title to struggling. And that's the nice way I can put it. Yuli is struggling. Alex Bregman is struggling too, but that's a whole different story. There's also been rumors about Wilson Contreras bringing him in from the Cubs as a catcher. Jason Castro's 35. Martin Maldonado's 38. You know, you, you kind of need some youth at catcher. And obviously everybody knows that Corey Lee is the catcher of the future for the Astros. But what what, what are they going to do now? I mean, Maldonado stayed healthy. He might come back for one more year. Jason Castro's probably done at this point. So, you know, next year I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros' catching rotation was Maldonado-Corey Lee. I don't know that a catcher is a necessity for the Astros. I think I think they're two they're two biggest you need a first baseman, you need a center fielder. That's what you need to go get. Because the the Jake Myers thing, as much as I love Jake Myers, 
kind of come back to reality a little bit. He might not be the player that we thought he was. I'm not saying that he's not. Just lately, he hasn't really been up to snuff, if you will. Game hotline 706-0111. Wide open for the whole first hour of the show. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So, poll question of the day. Will the Astros make a trade before the deadline? Simple question, yes or no. So far, 63% of you say yes and 36% of you say no. Five names. Do you see the Astros making a trade? I mean, with... Hi, Mike. There you are. Um, I think with I said, all the concerns about first base and everything else, I think they will make one. I don't the way that Foot talks about it. They think they will. Uh, it would be very highly unlikely for them not to. I don't think they make many moves, but I think they make at least one either later on today or like very very early tomorrow morning. We got a comment from J.K. that says yes, but not like you think. They're going to be sellers, not buyers. Interesting. I disagree. I mean, do I do I think they're going to give up some pieces to get a deal done? Yeah. But if they're going after a guy like Josh Bell, they're buyers. Who do you think they give up to get Bell? I've heard Jose or Keedy get thrown around. Because that, that's, the, that's the spot where the Astros have the most depth. They've got a slew of starting pitchers. Um, especially if, especially once Lance McCullers Jr. comes back, you really have pitchers. I mean, Verlander, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Jake Odorizzi, Lance McCullers Jr. You have seven starting pitchers, and it's a five-man rotation. Two guys are going to be left out in the cold. Ship them. Because... People are like, well, you know, Justin Verlander won't be able to pitch forever. Yeah, you're right, but you have Hunter Brown sitting in the minor leagues. Just waiting. The Astros are solid in terms of pitching. So if you're going to move some pieces, I, I would throw in some pitchers. I would throw in some minor league prospects. The Astros have plenty of pieces to get a deal done. I think I think the problem that they're running into is that they have a history of give, trying to get away, and, and every team does this. They try to get away with giving up as little as possible, right? Yeah. But the Astros try to give up too little and see if they can basically rip people off. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with the Washington Nationals for Josh uh, Bell. So we'll keep an eye on that again. The trade deadline in the MLB is tomorrow so if a trade goes down of course the game your home for the Houston Astros will bring it to you yeah I think it's six o'clock eastern so I think it's four yeah. o'clock yeah. central tomorrow six o'clock eastern will be five o'clock central yeah those two hours one hour one hour I hate one time hour. differences it bugs the crud out of me Hannah five names missed the, the time zone lesson Hey, <laughs> it's a very much a struggle trying to listen, like try to look, you know, like the Astros and the Mariners. I was like, yes, I already see 
when the time is for the Astros game, and it's the same, but when I have like the Mariners play anybody else, it's like, wait, what time they start? Yeah. Because <laughs> it says right. one time on their lineup. I'm like, yeah, that's for Seattle. Right. <laughs> I'm not an Asian. Add, add two hours to that. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, it's actually funny. You brought up time zones, and this is totally unrelated, so I'll keep it at like 30 seconds. It's fine. It wasn't until like two years ago that I realized that there was 24 time zones. That there was one for every hour. I don't know either. <laughs> it wasn't until like two years ago. You learn something every day. That. And I was like, how many time zones are there? And somebody said, um, one for every hour. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, they don't make sense to me. It's been all the same. It's fine. Everybody on the same time. Yes. You know what? It's bright and sunny, but it's midnight. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. All right, we have, again, an awesome show lined up for you on this Monday edition of RP3 and Company, minus RP3, who is vacationing. Good for that guy. Look at the MLB scoreboard quickly. The Astros taking down the Mariners yesterday in 10 innings, 3-2. to two. The Blue Jays taking down the Tigers, 4-1. to one. The Braves over the Diamondbacks, 1-0. to nothing. Man, how good is Austin Riley? The Royals taking down the Yankees 8 to 6. Was the Red Sox over the Brewers 7 to 2? The Phillies over the Pirates 8 to 2. The Cardinals over the Nats 5 to nothing. The Reds over the Orioles 3 to 2. It was the Rays over the Guardians and the score disappeared from me 5 to 3. The Mets over the Marlins 9 to 3. The White Sox over the A's 4 to 1. Dodgers taking down the Rockies 7 to 3. The Rangers beating the Angels 5-2. to two. The Padres beating the Twins 3-2. to two. And the Giants taking down the Cubs 4 to nothing. Looking at the world of golf, Tony Finau winning a fantastic tournament at the Rocket Mortgage Classic for his second consecutive PGA Tour event. He finished with a score of... 26 under par. 26 under par. He played 72 holes. He had one bogey. It was a master class by Tony Finau this weekend. Uh, Once again, 26 under par, and he wins the Rocket Mortgage Classic for his second consecutive PGA Tour victory. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Just register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we'll look at the leaders around the MLB and we'll look at some potential trade targets. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Welcome back into RP3 and Company here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, Hannah Five Names, 22 minutes after 6 o'clock here on your Monday morning. Looking at, we talked about the trade deadline a little bit here in this first segment. Looking at some of the top targets available. You know, Nathan Avaldi from the Red Sox, he's in his final year of a contract, so he becomes a trade target for that reason alone. Um, you know, any anytime you can get a guy in the last year of their deal and you can work your own contract with the player, that's always an advantage. Uh, Frankie Montes is a name being thrown around. He's considered the top starting pitcher available. He's 29 years old. He's under club control through next year. You know, the Yankees are, are looking hard to get Frankie Montas. We'll see what happens with that. One name on this list that I just don't see happening. There's no way Shohei Otani gets traded. There's no way. I mean, yeah, the Angels are listening to options. But unless it's, you know, $100 million in 10 bags of gold, they're not trading away the biggest and best two-way player the game of baseball has ever seen and probably ever will see. I mean, think about the last time you watched a guy pitch seven innings with double-digit strikeouts and then the next night hit bombs. It doesn't happen. It's never happened and it will never happen the same way again. Couple other guys. Noah Syndergaard is is looking. He, he's an option. You know, he's on a one year deal. He's twenty nine. He's had an okay season, recovering from Tommy John. Um, Josh Bell, of course, the switch hitter, is, is set to hit that market, the free agent market, if he doesn't get traded. Wilson Contreras as well. Brandon Drury is a name getting thrown around. The the second third baseman from. The Reds, he's got 16 home runs this season. Joey Gallo is a name from the Yankees after the Yankees acquired Andrew Benatendi. Now the Yankees are shopping Gallo, who has not had a great year. J.D. Martinez is another big name getting thrown around. Trey Mancini, Ramon Laureano. There's a lot of big names on the trade market. Juan Soto. What's going to happen with the Juan Soto sweepstakes? I mean, you know, it, it's crazy. When, when you think about the world of sports, money has become a big thing. And you look at contracts and go, man, how do you turn that down? How do you turn down 15 years, $440 million? I would do slave labor for $440 million. I mean, I would I would cut yards with a pair of scissors for that much money. I mean, how do you look at somebody that's just telling you, hey, we want to lock you up in a contract for the next 15 years and we're going to pay you $30 million a year to do it. 
and you're just like, nah, I'm good. I'll pass. Look, man, I'm I'm all about winning. But you're already you're 23 and you've already won a World Series. You've already won a World Series. The Nationals are poised. They could win another one. They got to make a couple moves. They they've lost a lot since they won the World Series a couple years ago, but they're not like, you know, completely out of it. Again, I, I said it the day that news came, it baffles me that somebody could turn down that amount of money. So who do you think is going to get them? Because right now, from the Bleacher Report, it says <clears throat> that the three finalists for them is the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Cardinals. I think any of them could get them. Who needs him? Well, everybody. But... Obviously. Who really needs him? I hate to say this. The Dodgers could benefit from him greatly. Greatly. And the Dodgers have the money because they're the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, yeah. they don't run out of money. Are you saying they have trees with money on them? Oh, yeah. I don't want a tree with money on it. Oh, yeah. It's Los Angeles. They're owned by Magic Johnson. Their 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 bank supply is endless. It's not endless, but you get my point. I could see Juan Soto going to the Dodgers. I don't see it happening before tomorrow, though. He's gonna he's gonna be in DC a little bit longer. I I don't see it happening in the next twenty four hours. If it does, great, something to talk about. <clears throat> Just don't see it. I don't know. You think he's going to get traded? I mean, I feel like with all this rumor stuff, you should be, get traded. There should be, if they have enough talk about it, figure your life out. I know you're a big Mariners fan. Yeah, we got the running already, and we got the. So, so how happy were you when, when that Luis Castillo trade went down? That was pretty, probably pretty good. Yeah, that that's a big move. Yeah, and you you really didn't give up a whole lot. No, they gave mainly minor league guys. Yeah, it was all minor league guys, and I mean, you, you gave up Noel Noelve Marte, who is the Mar- was the Mariners' number one prospect, and then you also gave up Edwin Aurora and Levi Stout. I mean, you gave up talent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. There, you don't get a guy like Luis Castillo very often. No. And so when when you have a guy that that's proven at the MLB level, I mean, he was the top pitcher on the market, and now the Mariners have him. Uh-huh. And what, what's scary about <laughs> that is the Mariners weren't bad. No. And they just got better. Aren't a bad team. No, you, the Mariners are not a bad team. They haven't been a bad team all season. I'm waiting for tomorrow. Well, for this game to be over tonight, and so for the Blue Jays, because then I'll finally be at the same amount of games as the Blue Jays, so I can actually see where we are in the wild card to see if we're actually top or not. Oh yeah, because we're just playing around with the Blue Jays right now for the top spot. The Blue Jays are struggling. 
they are they are flailing away so right now the mariners have a half game lead on the second wild card spot the blue jays have a three game advantage so they will if it stays like it is they will get a wild card spot and the mariners i mean just have to keep winning yep no longer playing those damn strows, so four and six in the last ten. <coughs> That's rookie numbers. You got to bump that up. Thank you. That's rookie numbers. <coughs> I mean, you, you you could, you could be the Red Sox. I mean, dude, they're lost. They have played so poorly <laughs> out af, as of late that they now have a losing record. <laughs> they are fifty-one and fifty-two. Three and seven in their last ten. Did you actually watch the breakdown of the the twenty eight to five game? Oh yeah. It was fantastic watching it, it. It was. I was like, I could even catch that ball. It was it was very well done. Have you have you heard Martin talk about the twenty eight to five game? Yes. He was not too, he was not too happy about that game. But I'm already a message from him saying, you know, eliminated pictures of the Dallas Cowboys for NFL already. So I think he's kinda over his team now. The Houston Astros hold a 12-game lead in the AL West over the Seattle Mariners. In the AL East, how about the Yankees with an 11-and-a-half-game lead? They are 5-and-5 five five in their last 10. The Blue Jays, 11-and-a-half back. The Rays, 14-and-a-half back. You know, and, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trashing the Red Sox. You know you're having a bad year. When the Baltimore Orioles are better than you. The Baltimore Orioles are above the Red Sox in the division. That is... Wow. That is a bad time to to be a a Boston Red Sox fan. It, It really, really is. The Washington Nationals currently have the worst record in baseball at 35 and 68 <laughs> on the year and they are currently 30 games back of the division lead with the New York Mets. 30. That's a lot. Yeah. They are they are always back. I mean again 35 and 68. Even on the, the year. A's are better than them. Yeah. Not, not by much, but <laughs> they are they are better. It's crazy how you you've got a couple teams that really stand out in, in baseball right now. Obviously, it's the Yankees and the Astros. The Astros only two games back of the Yankees for the American League lead, and there's a gap between the two of them and the next team, which is the Blue Jays at eleven and a half games. But then you know. It's kind of close right there in the middle. The Mariners, the Rays, the Twins, the Guardians, the White Sox even. And then it's everybody else. I mean, the Rangers are 22 games back. The Angels, 25 and a half. The Tigers are 28. Royals, 28 and a half. And then the Oakland A's are 30 and a half out of the lead. And then in the NL, the Dodgers, I mean, they're the Dodgers. They were a four-game lead over the Mets. The Braves close behind at seven games. And then you go to the Nationals. 34 games out of the first-place lead in the National League. That is 
I haven't seen a number like that in a long, long time. That is impressive. Let's just say that. Of course, the game hotline 706-0111. And as a reminder, in Acadiana, if you want to watch the simulcast, it's Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Look at that. I poked the bear. Good morning, Martin. What's up, bud? Uh, not too much, buddy. How are we doing on this beautiful Monday morning? I am awake. Wow, it's kind of early for you this morning, huh? <laughs> it really is. That that uh that four fifteen wake up call came really early this morning. <laughs> it slapped you in the face like a semi, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're not used to that doing that every day. Oh no, oh no. I don't know if you got uh, my text uh, the other day about the Dallas Cowboys, but I thought that was pretty funny. You well, know, that, that, my... that you're already writing them out of the playoffs? Oh, we're oh, we going to make the playoffs, and then we just get eliminated. I mean, I guess you could say another wasted playoff spot. I mean, got other teams that's probably more deserving as us. I mean, I kind of feel bad for taking their one spot, you know? But anyway, uh, I was calling to kind of – switch gears and uh see what your like how would you rate your uh your overall rating for SummerSlam? i don't know if you watched the whole thing uh my input i think it had as good moments had as bad i think it was way entirely too long i think they dragged it on a little too long um the main event was amazing uh but i mean I think what they're trying to do is make Roman Reigns the longest reigning champion of all time. I think he's going to shatter that record. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know if you were going to chime in on it any time today, or, uh, this morning or this afternoon. But I just wanted to hear your, your thoughts on it or whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's a very miserable time being a Red Sox fan right now. Uh, but I always know if I need a good laugh, I'll just put it on the Red Sox game, and there it is, you know? Because, I mean, as bad as the the Blue Jays are looking right now, that's making us look even worse, you know? You're not wrong. So, uh, but anyway, uh, also I wanted to touch on uh, my girl, uh, Amanda Nunez, got her title back, so uh, I knew she was going to get it back. It's, it's very hard to beat her uh, once, much less twice. I mean, Pena, she had a good little run while it lasted, but uh, Nunez is the is the GOAT. And uh, that's all I have, buddy. And go Red Sox. Thanks for taking my call, buddy. Appreciate you, Martin. So a couple things there. Um, first of all, Martin said it's a, it's a bad time to be a Red Sox fan. Every time's a bad time to be a Red Sox fan. It's always bad to be a Red Sox fan. Secondly, he, he touched on SummerSlam. Look, I'll, I'll keep it short. SummerSlam was what SummerSlam always is. It's the biggest party of the summer in terms of sports entertainment. Uh, and, you know, Triple H put his take from a creative perspective. You had some major surprise returns. You had some great matches. 
and they continue to drag out this ridiculous storyline that Roman Reigns is is some God-sent creature. I mean, it just, again, SummerSlam was exactly what I predicted it to be. And then you, you touched on, oh, UFC 277. Yeah, I mean, Amanda Nunez is going to do what Amanda Nunez does. But I'm going to say this. This is not the last that you have seen of Juliana Pena. Not by a long shot. We'll take a time out right here. When we return, we'll talk about the legacy that is Bill Russell. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard in my life. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. One of the greatest lines in a movie ever. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Matt Miguez here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Five names. I'm going to quiz you. What uh, what movie is that from? No clue. No, really? No. Oh, Bill. I am not Anthony Denozo. I am not oh my God. anyone else that's very good at movies. Billy Madison. Oh, got you, it. Have you ever seen Billy Madison? Yeah. Do you remember the the trivia game? Yeah. That's that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. So Got it. Look, learning something Locked new. In the box. Learning something new every day. Yeah, I learned two things so far. There's 24 time zones. Got it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk Bill Russell again passed away yesterday at the age of 88. Learned this yesterday. Bill Russell was born in Monroe. Was he now? I did not know that. Learned that yesterday. Um, so just a, a quick rundown of, of Bill's resume. He was a 12-time All-Star. He was a four-time rebounding leader. He was an 11-time NBA champion. 11 times he was voted to the All-NBA team. He was a five-time league MVP. He was the 1962 All-Star Game MVP. Was named to the All-Defensive Team his last year in the league. He is on the NBA's 75th anniversary team. And he is in the Hall of Fame. And he wrote four books. And he wrote four books. He did. Um, in his career, he played 963 games, scored an average of 15.1 points per game throughout his career, 4.3 assists, and listen to this rebounding number. In 963 games played, Bill Russell averaged... 22 and a half rebounds per game. That's a lot. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. 22 and a half rebounds per 
game. His lowest rebounds total, rebound average in a season was in 1967 when he averaged 18.6 rebounds a game. Darn, that's so low. Gosh dang it. In 1963, when he was 29, he averaged 24.7 rebounds per game. I mean, that is just, while averaging 15 points a game, those numbers are absolutely unreal. He was an all-star in every year that he played except for his rookie season. And again, he won 11 titles, including eight consecutive, his last two NBA championships coming, like we said earlier, as a player coach. Just to give you a thought about it, um, Steph Curry, he averages 4.6 rebounds a game. Oh, yeah. And he's averaging 18. It, it's it's really, Damn. you know, Bill Russell, and, and I don't disagree with this, a lot of people say that to this day he's still the greatest defensive player that the NBA's ever seen. And I, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, his former coach back in the day, legendary Celtics coach, Red Auerbach, said he was the single most devastating force in the history of the game. Bill Russell was an absolute animal. In 1980, there was a poll done by a group of basketball writers that voted Bill Russell as the greatest player in NBA history. A lot of people still have him up there. You know, he. a lot of people see him up there with, you know, Jordan. Some people have Pete Maravich up there. LeBron, Kobe, Shaq. Obviously, you know, top five NBA players of all time could be a matter of opinion. But Bill Russell's numbers throughout his career speak for themselves. He went on to be a good coach. He went on to be a good TV analyst. He's a great author. And the NBA Finals MVP bears his name. He also, in 2011, was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The president. Yep. Gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Not many athletes get that. And the first game boycott over civil rights as well. Also, how, how do you not touch on this? He was the first black head coach in any major sport. Bill Russell changed the game. He did. He's the GOAT. He is the GOAT. He's, he's one of them for sure. Uh, he's definitely on the NBA Mount Rushmore. In, in my opinion, what an absolute animal of a man. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. I need some help with that. It's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes. Try a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill in Youngsville, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by joining the clubhouse. 
you might be sitting there going, Matt, how do I do that? Yeah, it's easy. Thegame1037.com, 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. We'll take our final time out of hour number one and wrap it up on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Rocking and rolling on a Monday morning. It's RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here 60, 54 minutes after 6 o'clock here on your Monday. You know, you, you just heard in the Crunch Time promo, James and I talked about the other day, The we, we, we spent a lot of time joking about the Kyler Murray contract chaos, which is still absolutely ridiculous. But also, you know, just like I said, there's a there's a clause in Zion Williamson's new contract with the Pelicans that says he has to keep a certain weight and a certain body mass index. So the way they're going to do it is he's going to weigh in periodically and they're going to calculate his weight and his body mass index. The two sums together have to be 295 or under. So if he weighs 280 pounds, his BMI can't be above 15. It's intriguing. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because if he is in violation of that clause, the amount of guaranteed money could drop. And uh, I don't I don't know how how well sports you know megastars take it when dollars start coming off the board. They don't like that very much. So here in our number one, we've talked about Deshaun Watson. We've talked about Bill Russell. We've talked about the MLB trade deadline. There's still two hours to go. In our number two, we're going to talk some LSU Tigers with Jeff Palermo. We're also going to take a look at some more top stories, and we'll start looking at some NFL headlines to pay attention to as, in case you didn't know, there's football this week. The Hall of Fame game is Thursday night. So the NFL, somewhat back. You know, if you're like me, you'll you'll watch the Hall of Fame game just because you miss football that much. But the Saints don't play till the 13th, so we'll see what happens there. Of course, the Raiders and the Jaguars playing this year's Hall of Fame game Thursday night from Canton, Ohio. Your phone calls on the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. We'll do it all in hour number two. You're listening to the game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one. In Lake Charles, it is Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. More after this top of the hour sports update. Everything, everything. 
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two underway here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, filling in for the big, bald, beautiful one, Mr. Raymond the third. And, you know, I, I thought about something on my very early drive over here this morning. Um, you know, Matt being, me being the afternoon guy, I'm not, I'm not used to 445 drives into work. But anyways, it's August 1st. The dog days of summer quickly coming to an end. I mean, you look at it. College football starts in three weeks. Technically, if you're a fan of week zero. If you if you're if you're against week zero, like Raymond Parsh the third, then it begins on September the third. Cajuns and LSU open up that weekend. However, there will be college football on August 27th. So, if you're like me and just a college football junkie, you know where I'll be on August 27th. But, you know, it's interesting because the summer, you know, sometimes it feels like it goes by so slow because it's such a slow period in sports. I mean, outside of the MLB... And some some training camp conversations. Not a whole lot going on. But now things are starting to fire up. You're starting to talk, you know, looking at opponents, looking at position groups. You know, things are getting a lot more interesting here as we close down the last couple of weeks until football season. And then, if you're in this business, from September to May, we're not going to stop. But that is just fine with me. Just fine with me from the Cajuns to the Tigers to the Saints and to the Astros. We're going to bring it all to you right here on the game. So again, earlier today we talked about some different headlines. But how about this? The Dallas Cowboys were named the most valuable franchise in sports. In case you were wondering how much the Dallas Cowboys are worth if Jerry Jones ever decided to sell them, try $7.64 billion. Yeah, billion with a B. $7.64 billion. It is the most valuable sports franchise behind the second, ahead of the second place New York Yankees. They're ahead of the Yankees by $630 million. So the Yankees coming in roughly right at $7 million. Looking at calculations by Sportico, the average NFL franchise is worth $4.1 billion, which is up 18% from last year. 
So teams are becoming more and more valuable. You know, you, you look at the top ten list, and, and you got some you got some big teams. You got the Cowboys, obviously. You got the Rams. You got the Patriots. But then you look at four, six, seven, and eight, and they're only valuable because of where they play. They're not good. They haven't won anything in ages. I mean, the fourth most valuable team in the NFL, the New York Giants. They haven't won in forever, but they're worth $5.73 billion. The Chicago Bears, worth right at five. The Jets, the Jets, $4.8 billion. And then the Washington Commanders, $4.78 billion. Then you got to scroll all the way down to number 25 to get to the New Orleans Saints. 3.26 billion dollars, which is still a lot of money. That's a lot of money. The cheapest franchise in the NFL if you would ever want to buy one is the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at 2.84 billion dollars. You know, if you want to make a lot of money, own an NFL team. Own an NFL team. You and a couple of buddies go win a Mega Millions or two and go go buy a sports franchise. That's what it is. That's what you do. That is Matt Miguez's secret to life on this Monday morning. The total value of all franchises in the NFL. $132 billion. Good Lord. That is insane. Insane numbers. $132 billion. It, it's, that's, that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. All right. Also, Debo Samuel, speaking of money. Three years, $73.5 million to return to the San Francisco 49ers, which, you know, that's a story in and of itself, the 49ers. They say that they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They say that they're letting Jimmy G seek a trade. But are they? Are they really convinced that Trey Lance is the guy? Because I'm not. I'm not convinced. Now, I am convinced that they've got a running game. Man. A lot of people slept on Elijah Mitchell coming out of UL. That kid showed up in year one. He took advantage of the opportunity. He was a sixth-round draft pick. He was the third running back on their depth chart. One and two got hurt, and he showed up. And let me just say this. When the depth charts come out in the NFL in a couple weeks, I don't think Elijah Mitchell is going to be number three again. I'll just say that. But again, going back to the quarterback conversation for the Niners, are are they 100% sure that Trey Lance is the guy? Because if they were, wouldn't Garoppolo be gone already? That's my thought process. I mean, yeah, Garoppolo had off-season shoulder surgery that has probably delayed his 
his value and, and, and his trade market. But again, if they were 100% certain that Trey Lance was the guy and he was ready to roll, I feel like they would have already moved on from Garoppolo. Kansas City Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown will report to camp. He will end his contract holdout, sign the franchise tender. Patrick Mahomes getting his left tackle back, which is huge because, of course, left tackle protects quarterback's blindside. The Chiefs' final offer to Brown was a six-year, $139 million deal that included a $30.2 million signing bonus. That is a rich signature. That's the thing that's always fascinated me about sports, especially contracts. You know, look, we're going to pay you this amount of money, but, you know, this big chunk of it, we're going to hand it to you the second you sign your name. It's absolutely unreal. All right, 712, five names. I, I never got to ask you. How was your weekend? Um, It was... Pretty good. Uh, we decided after doing rock, paper, scissors, we deep cleaned our house because it just needed it. So got to do that. So, of course, we got to light the candles because the house is clean. Um, and then yesterday we watched Thor, Love and Thunder. Honestly, one of the worst ones of the entire. I've heard that. Marvel Universe. It was not good. Storyline was very slow developed. There's a lot of holes missing that could have been filled very easily with some story, and they didn't. And it was just weird. So, but yeah. hey, you know, moved around pieces of furniture in my house, and now my dog's not at the, <laughs> the window by the door. It's fine. I need to deep clean my apartment. Yeah. See, it, 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 it is an it's apartment, bad. but I call it a house because I don't have a house house. It's bad. Yeah. It is full of wedding supplies. That's the best part about my mom. She has a whole office at her house in Slidell, so we just put all our wedding stuff. There. And 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 you know, I look at I look at the house and I'm like, okay, you know, we we can clean, we can, you know, organize. We're running out of places to put things. So at uh, this point, uh, it's kind of like, look, we're just gonna live in a pigsty until after September the ninth, <laughs> and then once September the ninth comes and goes. Then we'll clean. We can figure that out. After. We'll figure it out then. Because <laughs> we'll have more stuff coming back to the house after. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's all happy things here in the game studio. Oh, of course. Because we of have course. two fiancés inside the studio right now. Of course. Both struggling. Thir- 38, <laughs> 38 days until I get married. 268. <laughs> Hey, less than a year. Oh, no, 58. Sorry, 58. I was about to say, a little <laughs> less than that. But, um, yeah, you, you know, it, it's funny when you when you really sit there and try to figure out your life in terms of, like, cleaning your house. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't. No. You it's very can't. difficult. Very difficult. 
Anyways, back to the back world. To, of, back to the world of sports because you know that, yeah. that's what we do. Like the Los Angeles Rams, they waived injured running back Javier or Xavier Jones, depending who where you are, and they actually signed the Louisiana running back Trey Regis. Yeah, they which did. Made me made my little heart happy. Yeah, they did. Now they have two Cajuns Woo-woo. in that running back room for the L.A. Rams because they also have. Raymond Calais. Mm-hmm. So now former teammates, teammates once again for the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. It's pretty cool. You know, growing up as a as a lifelong Cajuns guy, I never thought that I would see the day where like three running backs, technically four running backs from the Cajuns in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me when I think about, like, I've been on the field the same time as Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell. Like I'm like and Raymond Kyle. Like I've been because you know that's where I practice for band and for guard. I was like I've like talked to these guys before, and it's like now they're in the NFL making like you know billions, millions of dollars. Yep, and un- unfortunately, <laughs> we're not seeing any of it. No! <laughs> but, um... This would be cool when they say from Louisiana. We're like, yeah, hey, that's our guy. <laughs> hey, I'll I'll always joke about this. Um, Elijah McGuire sat next to me in freshman biology. So, you know, Eli, if, if you're listening and, and you want to share you know, a, a game check... Um, yeah. We're down. Ha- hands are open, bud. Hands are open. Uh, where the mitochondria of the cell is. It is. It is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> it, is. it is the powerhouse <laughs> of the cell. That is. That is something <laughs> that school has drilled into my head. You will never forget what the mitochondria is. Nope, never. I made one out of. I made one out of cheesecake. I did no bake cheesecake, and I like put all the stuff wherever they were i put all of that and i use like little like gummy bears and stuff to make it how did we get so off track it's fine what about dk metcalf 7060111 (laughs) if you want to get in on the hotline yeah so uh dk metcalf why we prefer the seahawks signed a three-year deal worth up to 72 million with 58.2 million guaranteed isn't that crazy to think about, though? Two star-wide receivers signed contracts worth $24 million a year. That In the last, like, three days. Uh-huh. That's absolute. Cause Here's D- money. Here DK, DK signed his deal, I want to say it was Friday, that he got his contract. And then Debo got his late last night. So, uh, you know, because 10 years ago, you would have never thought that guys were making $24 million a year. It's absolutely insane. I want to be them. I want to be their friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's good to be their friends. Oh, yeah. It's good to be their friends. Now that we are like, we want their money or anything, guys. Don't worry about that. <laughs> We're not those people. 
the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway the red hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday August 27th and you can be there register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations that Saturday night Astros weekend getaways are powered by butcher air conditioning La Meridian Houston downtown and the game it's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout here, and we'll look at some more NFL headlines. And Jeff Palermo joins us at 7.30. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Don't! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is Southwest Louisiana sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, breaking news during the commercial break. Federal Judge Sue Robinson has found that Deshaun Watson has violated the personal conduct policy of the NFL and has suspended him six games. A six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. He has not been fined. So... I'm going to be honest, that's pretty good news for the Browns. Only six games. That's that's pretty good news. I mean, if you, if you look at their schedule, through their first six, they've got the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons, the Chargers, and the Patriots. So through their first six, realistically, they're three and three. When Deshaun comes back, it's not a bad place to be. I mean, that's a pretty easy, I say easy, comfortable six-game stretch to be without your new star quarterback. I mean, the Panthers are not good. The Jets are even worse. The Steelers will beat them. The Falcons will probably beat them. The Chargers will beat them. The Patriots, kind of up in the air. So three and three at worst, two and four. Which again, still wouldn't be terrible if you're the Browns. Because... I mean, Deshaun Watson's coming back. In those last 11 games, Deshaun Watson could easily lead you to a 8-3 and three stretch 
and you finish the season 10 and 7. 10 and 7 in a year where you didn't have your your quarterback for the first, you know, 6 years. I mean, first 6 games is uh is pretty impressive. So again, 6 game suspension for Deshaun Watson. You know, one one of the biggest things is I'm just kind of happy that it's over. Like now as a collective, you know, NFL fan or, you know, fan base or even like media, we can just put this whole thing behind us now and move on. Uh, The NFL Players Association has said that they will not appeal the verdict for the Deshaun Watson suspension. So it is set six games for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Looking it up just now, uh, it was posted about eight days ago now, but Kamara's case returns to court today as well. Today, yes. Kamara does return to court today um, for his Las Vegas nightclub incident. So... Doesn't say a time, though, so... No, it... it, I don't know. You know... Here, here's my thing. I don't want to compare incidences, right? I'm not going to say, oh, you know, one punishment's bigger than the other. Yeah. But let's be quite honest. If Deshaun Watson's only getting six games, Kamara should probably get about three, four, maybe, if at all. I don't think he gets away with having no suspension. There, there's no way. I don't think he gets away with no suspension either, especially with how much Roger Goodell absolutely hates the Saints. Um, Everyone does. It's fine. Yeah, he definitely doesn't get away with with nothing because um, he was arrested in, on February 5th for a felony count of, bottle, of battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. The... The thing that's interesting, though, is that the original hearing was set for March 8th. Mm-hmm. Got pushed back to April 25th. And then it got pushed back to today. I am very surprised that it's actually going to stay today. Because I had a feeling that Kamara's legal team was just going to be like, hey, let's just keep hey, pushing recess. it back. Let's just keep pushing it back. We need an extension. And, and we'll deal with it later. No, at the end of the season, it's fine. So come May. <laughs> the the fact the fact that it's actually going down today is uh, is surprising a little bit. And but, as always, we'll have the update for you as soon as we get it. Of course, that because you know we're we're the best at what we do. Duh, I'm the best research team we got. Hannah, five names, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hannah, five names. We'll take a time out right here on RP3 and Company. And when we return, Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network will join us to discuss the LSU Tigers as fall camp starts this week. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for those LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 
1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. RP3 and company on a Monday here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah. Five names, 734 on your Monday morning. Fall camp for both LSU and the Cajuns opening this week. Let's talk about the Tigers and let's do it with the sports director of the Louisiana Radio Network and the co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, Mr. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time this morning, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. A little little earlier than than I'm used to being the being the afternoon guy, but we're making do. We're making do. Um you know, fall camp opening today, year one for Brian Kelly in in this dominant SEC West up to this point over the last you know seven or eight months give me your thoughts on, on the Brian Kelly hire I, I think it's it's a good one um, I mean you can't you know I, I think uh, the guy knows how to win I think he knows how to run a football program um, I, I think he's going to have LSU um, I, I think he I think he's going to recruit well I don't know if he's I think it still remains to be seen if he's going to be an elite recruiter uh, to LSU. Can, can he consistently rack up top five recruiting classes, which is kind of what it what it's going to take to win a national championship, um, or at least you know be there? Um, I, I think that remains to be seen, but um, I, I think he's a guy that's it's going to be able to recruit. I think they're going to be able to develop. I think you're going to see a a program that's going to seem like it's uh, there's at least a um, there's a reason for everything that they do. Uh, it's going to be well thought out, plan. The attention to detail is something that I certainly like. I think that's something that is that is lacked with the two previous coaches. And uh, to me, I, I think maybe outside of this season, just because the talent level is not where you you need it just yet. I think outside of that, I think you can pretty much pencil in LSU as a, a team that's going to win nine games year in and year out with him as the head coach. Now, how often they beat Alabama, uh, how many times they win the SEC West, um, can they win a national championship, that still remains to be seen. Uh, you, you need some breaks to go your way. Uh, you need some elite recruiting classes, as I've mentioned. Uh, you need some elite players, so I think that all still remains to be seen if if that's going to happen under Brian Kelly, Kelly's era. But uh, the mediocreness that we've kind of seen here the last couple of seasons, uh, I don't think you'll necessarily uh, you know see any more. I, I think there's uh, just because of you, you have a guy that uh, really knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. His plan has worked in the past, like he talked about at the Baton Rouge Rotary Club last week. Um, but this is this is a different level of football, right? I mean, there's not. Uh, I mean, those six other games in the division, and then the two teams that you're going to play in the other division. Uh, you know, Florida is going to always be good. Uh, it, this is a little bit different, and I, I get it. Notre Dame plays a different, difficult schedule. 
But to me, this is uh, this is a different level that he's at right now, and we'll, we'll see if uh, it's if it's going to result in uh, you know appearances in the SEC championship game. Now, Jeff, you know one of the biggest question marks for this Tigers team is you know who's going to play quarterback. Miles Brennan is back for his fifth year of eligibility. You've got a, a redshirt freshman that gave you some some flashes of brilliance last year in Garrett Nussmeyer, and then you get a big-time transfer in Jaden Daniels, a three-year starter at Arizona State. Pretty tight race still. You know what, What's the latest on the quarterback race, and who do you see starting week one? Well, I think it's going to be Miles Brennan. Um, I just think you know he's the guy that's been around here. I understand it's, it's a new system. Uh, to me, he is probably, in my mind, the most polished of those quarterbacks. Uh, does he give you the ability to make big plays with his legs like a Jaden Daniels? Uh, probably not. Um, I don't know if his arm is as strong as as strong as Garrett Nussmeyer, but I think based on the limited work we saw him in 2020, uh, which wasn't much, but you know, we're just watching him. I mean, he, he's got an idea of what he's doing out there, and he's a guy that I think could put up some really good numbers. Um, and I think, you know, the, I, I think LSU would, is going to want to make a decision sooner rather than later. I, <clears throat> I know that uh, Cajuns coach Michael Desermo put you know an August twenty second date on his coaching search. I would think that's kind of what you're looking for as well with uh, with Brian Kelly that you know when they're two weeks from game time two weeks out from the game they're going to want to have their guy in place and really starting to formulate the game plans around that person's strengths another big question mark for the Tigers is their offensive line coming into 2022 and one guy that they've brought in to to really kind of shore that up quickly is Will Campbell out of Neville High School, 6'6", 310 pounds. Pretty much guaranteed that he's going to play that left tackle spot and immediately going to have to deal with some of the best pass rushers in the country. You know, Do you think Will Campbell's up for it, and, and how effective do you think he'll be able to be early on? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, can they... That that's just it's it's just a lot to ask and and I understand that you know Will Campbell is is someone that uh, I think is going to be a great player. I think it's the kind of recruit that LSU needs to have more of on that offensive line. Uh, I think he's probably the best guy that they've had since um, you know you know the, the you know probably the best guy they've had at a tackle position since an Andrew Whitworth. He's got that kind of potential. I don't know if he's your starter, though, week one. I mean, that's just a lot to ask out of a true freshman. I think Cam Wire is certainly somebody there. I know that the coaching staff is pretty excited about having a guy like Garrett Dellinger. Um, so I, I'm kind of waiting. This, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you, that would be pretty difficult to really rely on a guy um, right off the bat like that as you, as you're starting as they're starting left tackle. So um, that's not to say that you know he's he's certainly going to be a guy that is going to be a really good player. I think before it's all said and done, but 
I don't know if that's exactly who you go with in uh, in week one. But, um, you know, the O-line, you're right, is a huge question mark in my mind. Um, you know, you bring in a couple of transfers, you know, one's from East Tennessee State, the other guy's from Florida Atlantic. And, some, you know, some of these <laughs> – some. Some of these people act like we just got, re, you know, uh, transfers from Georgia and Alabama. I mean, um, they, they may be good, but I don't know if they're going to be what you really need to have as far as a stellar offensive lineman. And I think that that could be a unit that certainly struggles during the course of the season. Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network joining us here on RP3 and Company wide receiver group is one spot for the Tigers where there's really zero question marks. I mean, Kayshawn Boutte, Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, Jare Jenkins, go on and on, even bring in Louisiana transfer Kyron Lacey. Whoever's going to be the starting quarterback this season, Jeff, has plenty of weapons to throw to. Well, that was something that you know, Brian Kelly talked about, I think it was last week, too, during his uh, visit with the Baton Rouge Rotary Club. And I think he also mentioned it during SEC Media Day. I mean, he's, he's got weapons. Um, he, he's got guys that he knows that uh, can make plays with the football when you get it to him. He's just got to find the right guy to make that make sure that uh, they're the guy. Um, I, yeah, the wide receiving group certainly looks good. Uh, the question is, um, you know, how how healthy can they stay? Uh, I th- you know, can Kayshawn Butte, you know, be out there for all 12 games? Uh, Jare Jenkins has been a very consistent player ever since he's got regular playing time. Uh, you know, Jack Besh uh, makes a lot of plays. And, and what kind of emergence do you get out of uh, a Malik Neighbors, a Brian Thomas, a Chris Hilton? You know, what what kind of productivity do you get out of a Kyron Lacey? I, I think that's all remains to be seen. You, you hope that there's another guy there that really breaks out and it could be a, another one that uh, the starting LSU quarterback can go to other than Kayshawn Butte and Jack Bash. And, and again, I think, uh, you know, having a healthy Kayshawn Butte for much of the season is going to, is going to, be a huge factor. Uh, you, you can't have him out for four or five games. I think that hurts the pass game. The tight end position, uh, to me, is going to be, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how much you're really going to see out of that group. I mean, Cole Taylor's he, he's a huge dude, 6'7", 250 pounds. But that's still a position that I think um, Brian Kelly is kind of looking for as far as um, – in future recruiting classes to really try to shore up that position. And then defensively, you know, you got two monster edge rushers in B.J. Ojolari and Ali Gay. You've got Jaquelin Roy up in the middle at defensive tackle. But the biggest, you know, I don't really want to call it a question mark because I don't know that it's that. New faces in, in Jarek Bernard Converse at corner as well as Seven Banks, both transfers one from Ohio State, one from Oklahoma State. You know, what are you looking at with, with about a month left until the season starts in terms of the defense? Well, I, I think in the when you look at defensive back, you know, this is kind of the, the first year in a while that I can remember that there just isn't that you know surefire first round draft pick that they've 
they've always seemed to be able to count on, whether it's at the cornerback position, whether it's back at safety. I think they got some some good college football players. I don't know how great any of these guys are. I don't know how fast it's going to take from them to, to mesh and get together. You know, the first SEC home games against Mississippi State, that will certainly be a test. Are they ready for that as far as how much passing and different type of routes that a Mike Leach offense is going to show you? So, to me, that we'll probably get a lot more answers about that group at that point. But what's going to help out the defensive secondary is that D-line should be really, really good. I mean, uh, you didn't mention Mason Smith, who might be the best out of all those guys on that front line. And those are guys that can really, they should be able to, again, if they stay healthy, should really be able to put pressure on the quarterback and make life uh, a little bit easier for that defensive secondary. Lastly, Jeff, wrapping up here, you know, looking at the schedule, Florida State opens the year, and then and then you kind of get a, a good break with Southern. You have New Mexico, Mississippi State in the middle there. But then, you know, the, the heat of the SEC really heats up with Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, and you end the season with A&M. What, what can you tell us? What are your thoughts on the schedule? Well, I think the schedule is a good one for a first-year head coach. I think you get a, a, a bit of a minor test against uh, Florida State, a program that hasn't had a winning season, I believe, since 2016. I think that's the last time they've had a winning season. So you figure you should be able to handle them. It's basically a home game. You're playing in the Superdome. And then, as you mentioned, um, Southern, Mississippi State, New Mexico, Auburn. I mean, all you should be going into that Tennessee game undefeated. And then you really see what this team is made of when they have the trip to Gainesville and they host the Rebels and take on Alabama and have to go to Arkansas. And you, you wrap things up with uh, Texas A&M and you got a game against UAB in the middle of all that as well, or at least towards the end before the Aggies game. So – this is a team that should be feeling really good about itself, should have a lot of confidence going into what will be a very interesting game against Tennessee because obviously the belief is, uh, you know, Tennessee is a program on a rise, maybe not a, um, maybe not a program that's uh, ready to break through just yet over on the SEC East, but uh, is a team that you can't sit here and say, for sure, at this moment, that LSU would be a favorite at home against, which we just got to kind of wait and see. And then when you look at it after that Tennessee game, you know, at Florida, um, you know, hosting the Rebels, Alabama, at Arkansas, at Texas A&M, there's a chance. There's a chance. And, and again, we'll have to see how well LSU plays in the first half of the season, how that quarterback position is. But there's a chance that LSU could be an underdog in all of those games. Um, those teams. So uh, the, the second half of the season will be will, will tell you just how good and, and where this team is at. But I think this is an eight-win team at least. I, I know there's some six and six numbers in there, but I think this team can at least get to eight wins, and who knows, uh, maybe a couple breaks they they could get to nine wins. Yeah, they got to stay healthy. To me, the, the the health thing is is so much more of an issue with this team than 
you know, I think a lot of other college football teams, just because once they get, once you get past that starting group, man, it, it gets young and you got a lot of inexperienced players behind those guys. Yeah, Jeff, eight and four is where I have them in year one under Brian Kelly. And I agree with you. The health thing is, is paramount to uh, to their success. Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network joining us here on RP3 and Company. Jeff, appreciate, appreciate you taking the time this morning. Great work as always. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, sir. You have a good day. Appreciate it. Have a good day. And there he goes, Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network. We'll take a time out. Wrap up hour number two and bring you one more hour of RP3 and company here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into RP3 and company. Matt Miguez here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know, Looking at the Deshaun Watson scenario, six-game suspension, here's the thing. And I'm going to say this without getting political and, you know, controversial. Whatever side of the fence you lean on in this scenario, a six-game suspension was coming for a long time. The NFL has a track record of that being the number when there's no criminal charges. If you look at Ezekiel Elliott, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, you look at others, when there's no criminal charges, it's a six-game suspension. Now, you can disagree and, and, and say that Deshaun Watson should have been suspended the whole year, but it's... It's kind of one of those things where it is what it is. You know, he was cleared of criminal charges. Most of his civil lawsuits were dropped or or settled. And a six-game suspension has been coming for a very, very long time. Uh, a lot of people liked to throw out, you know, 8, 10, the whole season. But most of us knew that it was going to be six games. All along. Poll question of the day. Will the Astros make a trade before the trade deadline? So far, 73% of you say yes. 27% of you say no. Got a couple of comments on the poll question. The Cajun dad says most likely they will. They are wealthy in pitching, so other teams will come to them with deals that they may just they may just not be able to pass up. And then Ralph Bercheron comes in. He says the poll question of the day should be, should Elijah McGuire trade a game check for Matt Miguez's the game check? A, for Shizzle. B, only if Matt allowed him to cheat in freshman biology. And C, is today April 1st? D, all of the above. Elijah McGuire should give me a game check. And I keep my paycheck by the way, because Elijah McGuire doesn't need more money than he has. Just kidding. You know, it, it, it's funny to to sit here and think about, you know, we talked earlier about Trey Reg is getting signed by the Rams and Raymond Colley already being there and Elijah Mitchell and Elijah McGuire. 
being in the NFL as well, along with Max Mitchell, Robert Hunt, Kevin Dodson, and a slew of others. But, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting for me because, you know, like Five Names said earlier, a lot of these guys we had classes with. We spent time with. I mean, again, I had freshman biology with, with Elijah McGuire. I had a couple classes with Robert Hunt. And so, you know, it, it's cool to see these guys having success in the big time. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three on the other side. You're listening to RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The third and final hour of your Monday edition of RP3 and Company here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here filling in for the big, bald, beautiful one, the producer extraordinaire, and a five names. Sitting in the master control suite, pushing all the buttons, making sure I look and sound good, although that isn't hard. I, I make your job easy, five names. You're welcome. I got the eye. Anyways, looking at what we've gone over so far today, Deshaun Watson handed a six-game suspension. We've looked at the standings and stat leaders of the MLB. We touched on the Astros beating the Mariners yesterday 3-2. to two. Um, A dirty start to that game with Jose Altuve getting hit in the shoulder with the first pitch of the game. Jesse Winker tied the game for the Astro for the Mariners in the eighth, and then it was Jordan Alvarez in the tenth, walking it off with a blooper to left field to win that game again, three to two. Tony Finau wins his second straight PGA Tour tournament after winning the Rocket Mortgage Classic yesterday with a 26 under performance. We've also talked about the great Bill Russell who passed away at the age of 88 yesterday. We touched on the Tigers at 730 with Jeff Palermo. Here in our number two, we're going to look at the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We are trying to get Raging Cajuns offensive coordinator Tim Leger. And at 830, we will be joined by Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast to discuss the New Orleans Saints. As, like Steve Wiley said, their first practice in Pats is today. Poll question of the day. Will the Astros make a trade before the trade deadline? So far, 73% of you say yes. 27% of you say no. We'll look at that a little more later on in the show. We are now joined by the offensive coordinator 
recruiting coordinator, and wide receivers coach for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Coach Tim Leger. Coach, thanks for taking the time on this Monday morning. How are you? Doing great, man. You guys got me here. I'm having some issues. Yes, sir. Got you loud and clear. All right, great, man. All right, Coach, you're entering your fifth season on the on the Cajun staff. It's going to be your first as the full-time offensive coordinator. You know, four, four seasons with Billy Napier, and now this is going to be your first with new head coach Michael Desermo. Just kind of walk us through, you know, this offseason, you know, the first one without Billy Napier. What's kind of been the vibe around the complex? How have things been different? You know, things like that. Uh, things have been great, man. The energy's great. Uh, you you guys still got me there? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, no, things have been great, man. Energy's great. The kids had a great summer. Um, you know, we, we're really excited about the work and progress they made in the weight room uh, this offseason and, and into the summer with uh, Coach Connor Neighbors, our new strength coach. Um, you know, we've seen tremendous strides, uh, both – uh, physically and and then with their speed and speed development program and all the things that we've done is it's been really it's been really good um so we're excited we're getting ready here obviously to get started and um you know like i said we had a great summer kids have recorded some of the fastest times we've run on our gps tracking systems and those things um since we've been here for four years so um, we're looking forward to getting cranked up here in a couple of days Peter LeBlanc, Michael Jefferson, and John Stevens Jr. are kind of the the three big names coming back for your wide receiver core in 2022. You also got Errol Rogers Jr. and Dante Fleming. Just kind of talk about this receiving core and and you know obviously the quarterback battle still going on. Whoever ends up winning the starting quarterback job is going to have plenty of skill players to work with. Correct. Um... I think the one thing we're really excited about is, is the, you know, personally uh, for me is the depth of the wide receiver room. Um, you know, you mentioned a, a handful of guys, but, you know, there's been, there's been guys that, that uh, have made a, you know, that maybe you haven't heard of that have made a lot of progress. Um, and, and then of course we've got a couple of freshmen that are here that, that um, really fit in well. So, you know, I'm excited about the depth of the room. Um, you know, there's a couple different occasions this summer that the strength staff has, has text, texted me personally um, talking about, you know, how, how good the group is, how much leadership they've shown, how much character they've shown, how much the toughness they've shown, um, you know, the job they've done. Um, and, you know, my comment is always, you know, in my opinion, you know, best group in the facility. And, and they're starting to agree with me a little bit. I think, you know, we're really deep top to bottom. Caleb Carter's made a lot of progress. Jacob Bernard's made a lot of progress. Dalen Camry, man, had a great offseason. Um, the two freshmen, Jaden Johnson and Charles Robinson, you know, our guys, um, those two guys walked in and jumped in right away with both feet. And um, some of the older guys reached out and said, Coach, these two dudes are real. And um, that's kind of where we are now in recruiting and, and development and, and that's and that stuff. So the competition continues to roll in year after year. Um, and these new guys are going to push the old guys for sure. Now, you know, talking about the wide receiver room, this is going to be your first season as the offensive coordinator <laughs> for the Cajuns this off season. What's it been like, you know, kind of adjusting to that new role while still having an emphasis on the wide receivers. 
Well, <clears throat> really the way, the way we kind of have operated this thing over the last three or four years is kind of the same way we're doing it now. Right. So, um, I'll have the title of offensive coordinator, but Coach Dez will still actually call the plays. Similar to when Coach Sale was here, he had the title of offensive coordinator for two years. Uh, Coach Napier called the plays. Last year, Coach Dez and I were co-coordinators. Uh, Coach Napier called the plays. So Dez will call the plays. Uh, we have a very uh, detailed system of game planning. Everybody has very specific areas in which they're responsible for and setting up the game plan. So there'll be parts of it that are, you know, 100% mine, but on Saturday, Des will call it. And, and like I said, everybody's got their own area of uh, situational ball, field position, down and distance, all those things that they're required to master and put a plan together. Uh, and then we all sign off on it together. So, you know, we it's kind of similar to recruiting here. You know, we do it as a team. We're going to set up game plans as a team. Um, and then on Saturday, uh, we'll try to get the best – best plays in the best field positions and situations down in distances and kind of go from there. So nothing's really changed in that regard. I think some of the things that are different uh, are outside of the play calling realm, which is, you know, organizing the staff, uh, setting the install schedule, scripting, uh, those things, the day to day grind of it uh, is a little bit different because that's a little more uh, shared responsibility than maybe I had before, but the play calling aspect will be exactly as it was before for everybody. You know, chatting with Louisiana offensive coordinator Tim Leger here on RP3 and Company. So the quarterback battle, we kind of hit on it a little earlier. You know, how has that competition between Chandler Fields, Ben Woolridge, even Lance Lejean really helped, you know, the rest of the offense get better throughout this offseason? You know, I think um, I think the guys – wide receivers specifically are are excited about the skill set of these dudes that we have uh you know both chandler you know who's a guy we signed out of high school from rummel he's been here for a few years with us um and has has really grown and progressed a natural natural ball throw uh people are going to be surprised with how athletic he is uh very very competitive competitive type leadership very similar to what levi had um He's going to do some really good things. Ben, obviously, um, Ben Ben is one of the hardest working guys I've ever been around. Um, Ben's here most mornings before the coaches are. Um, so we come in every day, he's sitting in the offensive staff room. He's got his cup of coffee. He's got his breakfast. He's got a protein shake, and he's already on film. And it may be he might be studying Aaron Rodgers. He might be watching cut-ups from spring practice. He's watching something. He's taking notes. Um and he's immersed himself really deep in our offense and learned it really well. He's put himself in a position to compete. I think those two guys, Chandler and Ben, are kind of at this point head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, Zion Chris, the freshman we signed from Madison Prep, had a really good spring. He enrolled early, was with us. Um, and then Zion McDonald and Lance, Hunter Herring. We've got some guys uh, that are very capable at the position, um, and we're going to go through this thing and figure out you know, who, who, who we can uh, hand the reins to. And, and if it needs to be more than one guy, then it needs to be more than one guy. We'll see what happens. Um, but we're excited. There's a, it's a talented group now. Um, top to bottom, probably the best group we've had since we've been here. And I think with Coach Dez and Coach Viatar's expertise in there, those, those two guys have kind of taken that room 
um, and, and kind of been able to give some insights to those guys. I think those guys have played better maybe than they had in the past as well. So we're looking forward to what's what's coming down the road here. Running backs is the position that the Cajuns have had immense amount of success with over the last couple of years. Chris Smith does return from last season after being the leading rusher for the Cajuns, but you are missing Amani Bailey and Montreal Johnson, both to the transfer portal. Kendrell Williams is a guy that a lot of local people know coming out of Karen Crow. Terrence Williams did some big things last year. What can you tell us about this running back room? It's a deep room. You know, um, we beat some guys, and I'm sure people know by now, but, um, you know, we lost Kendrell for the season in the spring. He had knee surgery. Um, he's just kind of getting into the meat of his rehab right now. So, uh, unfortunately for Kendrell, uh, we were expecting really big things. He had a great spring going. He actually had a great fall camp last year, to be honest. Uh, he could have been, you know, in the same position Montreal was in coming out of August camp um, and, and, you know, kind of went a different direction there. But uh, we got some guys in that room that are that are fully capable. You know, certainly we lost some good players. Um, but, you know, we have, we have enough depth, enough talent, uh, enough pieces around them that we can take some pressure off of them and kind of groom them into, you know, um, the, the guys we've expected to see around there. You know, let's, let's be honest, man. I mean, at one point we had three NFL running backs rotating in that, in that, in that room, right. Uh, Ray, Ray Kale and, and Trey Regis are both with the Los Angeles Rams right now, uh, both having great camps there. Uh, you know, Eli obviously is led all rookies in rushing last year with San Francisco. Um, and then, you know, we've got an All-American back in Chris Smith. And, and Chris Smith played hurt all of last year um, and kind of fought through it for us and really pushed, gave us some depth there. But he wasn't 100%. He wasn't even close to a shell of himself. Uh, but he is now. He's healthy. Um, he's got a great attitude going into the summer, taking a tremendous amount of responsibility to bring those young guys along. Um, he's leading the room. He's done a really good job for us. And so I expect Chris to have a breakout year. Um and, and, and then to, to bring those young guys along. I think, you know, fans from the local area that have seen Zylan Perry play from Franklin, who's a high school quarterback, came in here, he's 191 pounds, one of the faster guys we have, um, electric change of direction, instinctive with the ball. Um, don't be surprised if you see that guy in there with Terrence Williams and, and some of the other guys that we've got in the room. So it's a deep room. Again, man, we've done a great job of evaluation, recruiting, and development. Um, and so I feel like we're in good shape. Did we lose good players? Absolutely. Uh, but we've got a room full of good players. So we'll, we'll move forward. Lastly, Coach, looking at the schedule, you open with Southeastern Louisiana on September the 3rd. You go to Rice. You go to ULM. You got a big Wednesday night matchup in Huntington, West Virginia against Marshall, a Thursday night game against Southern Miss. And then you get to take a good road trip over to Tallahassee, Florida. Looking at the schedule, you know, some, some big experiences for these student athletes. What, what is your takeaway from this year's schedule? You know, I really like our schedule. You know, really what I'm most excited about, you know, as we've gotten to where we play better and better, you know, we've had a lot of those midweek games at home. Um, and it's been unfortunate for our fans. You know, they've adjusted times. We've played in the morning. We've played in the middle of the week. Uh, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights at home. I'm excited for our fans to have the opportunity uh, to buy season tickets, you know, and have a full slate of home games at normal times 
uh, where they can come out here Friday evening, early Saturday morning uh, and tailgate, right? Uh, we use the word culture around here. You know, tailgating is part of our culture. Um, and I'm excited for our fans to finally have an opportunity after a couple years of a lot of success here. You know, the nation's longest winning streak, um, you know, three-time West champions, conference champions, all those things that we've accomplished over the last few years need to be celebrated. And, and you know, as a community, as a culture, we're pretty good at celebrating. So I'm excited for our fans to be able to come out, uh, see our home games, tailgate, pack the stadium, uh, and watch this this team uh, continue what we've we've built. Um, Opponent-wise, you know, obviously, um, you know, we're excited to get started against Southeastern. You know, I'm familiar with those guys because I was in that conference for a few years when I was at McNeese, uh, both as a player and a coach. Um, and Frank Selfo and his staff um, have, have done a really good job there. They've got good players. Um, you know, they lost their quarterback as well, so they're going through that transition. They hired a new defensive coordinator. Uh, so there's some uncertainty on our end of exactly how they're going to go about their business on defense. Um, so we're trying to do as much as we can to figure that out. Um, but, you know, our fan base in Houston obviously gets to see see us go down there when we play Rice, which I'm really excited about. And then, you know, uh, Florida State's supposed to be better. And I'm excited. I'm hoping we're both undefeated when we go down there to Tallahassee. So um, we're looking forward to playing all those guys. Our conference is loaded again. Um, you know, those guys at, at Marshall, you mentioned that game specifically. Uh, the guys at Southern Miss, we're excited to have those guys in the conference. You saw how competitive that Marshall group can be. Uh, they play with some injured guys in the bowl game that, they're, you know, we didn't get the chance to play against. So I'm looking forward to both nights. Great, great atmosphere in Virginia. Hattiesburg, obviously, um, you know, right down the road. I'm excited for our fans to better go down there and pack their place and, and uh, you know, get, get into the schedule. Louisiana Offensive Coordinator Tim Leger joining us here on RP3 and Company. The Cajuns open their year September 3rd against Southeastern at Cajun Field. Coach, appreciate you taking the time, and best of luck this season. Yeah, thank you for having us, man. Uh, looking forward to see all the Cajun fans uh, in Cajun Field here when we kick it off versus Southeastern. No doubt about it. Appreciate you, Coach. Yep, thank you. There he goes. Offensive coordinator Tim Leger, the Cajuns open fall camp this Thursday, August the 4th, with Media Day uh, at the Cox Communications Building and the Donald and Janice Mosing Athletic Performance Center. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout here at 8.30. Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast will join us to get you set we're in the heat of training camp in New Orleans. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 1st, 1945, New York Giants outfielder Mel Ott hits his historic 500th MLB home run to become the third player in MLB history to join the 500 club. 
The first two were Babe Ruth and Jimmy Fox. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back inside RP3 and Company here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez and the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah. Five names, 25 minutes after 8 o'clock on your Monday morning. So, you know, obviously I am not the, the big, bald, beautiful one, Mr. Raymond Parsh III. What I want to dive into, though, on this Monday you know, looking, we, we've talked a lot of different top stories. We talked about the Debo Samuel contract. We talked about the Deshaun Watson suspension. We have talked about Bill Russell and, and how he died yesterday at the age of 88. The one thing that we haven't really got to we kind of talked about it a little bit, but didn't really dive deep into it. Is the Alvin Kamara thing? He goes to court today, August 1st, to settle his incident from February in Las Vegas. And, you know, the, the conversation around Kamara is a lot of people believe he was acting out of self defense because. The story was that the guy that Kamara punched eight times was, you know, pushing and shoving on him, saying derogatory terms, you know, this, that, and the other. Basically, you know, egging him on. And the story is also that Kamara and his friends had had a, had a good bit to drink that night. Regardless, I'm not I'm not trying to say that, you know, Camaro was warranted for causing substantial bodily harm to another human being. What I'm saying is in most cases like this, self defense warrants something. It should be the same here. And, you know, I said it earlier and I'll say it again not going to compare incidences, but if Deshaun Watson's only going to get six games, Alvin Kamara shouldn't get more than six. Right. If you're going to hand Deshaun Watson, who had 24 cases of sexual misconduct against him, if you're going to give him six games and you give Alvin Kamara eight or ten for getting in a fight doesn't really weigh out the same. Um, so interested to see what the NFL is going to decide after the court case with Alvin Kamara again today taking place in Las Vegas. Deshaun Watson will lose none of his 
million dollar signing bonus. He actually received his first fifteen million of it yesterday. So we will see what goes down with there. Of course, we'll keep you updated here at the game 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. The Houston Astros taking on the Boston Red Sox tonight, 7 o'clock. You can hear it right here on the game. Nathan Ovaldi going for the Red Sox 4-3 and three, with a 4.43 ERA in 81 and a third innings. For the Astros, it'll be Luis Garcia, who is 8-6 with a 3.81 ERA in 99 and a third innings. Jordan Alvarez, the Astros offensive leader, hitting 310 with 30 home runs and 70 RBIs. Meanwhile, Rafael Devers is hitting at a 324 with 22 home runs. Their RBI leader is Trevor Story with 58. The Astros minus 189 on the money line with an over-under of 8. Once again, 7 o'clock, and you can hear it right here on the game. Speaking of the game, have we heard, have you heard us talk about the game clubhouse? 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We can help you with your date night blues. Once you become a member of our awards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, you have to join the clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. takes less than five minutes. So go sign up today. Literally, a, a five-minute commercial break is coming your way. So do it now. Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast will join us on the other side for Monday's edition of the Big Easy Blitz here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Big Easy Blitz on a Monday morning. Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast joining us. Ross, different time than we normally talk. But what's going on, bud? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, usually we're uh, we're the, the the drive time kind of evening hours. Now here we are, bright and early on a Monday morning. Uh, glad to be on with you, buddy. So you know, looking at training camp today is going to be the first practice in pads. But one of the biggest storylines is the fact that Taysom Hill is out with a rib injury what's the latest yeah so um dennis allen updated us uh, around the toward the end of last week that uh he would be out at least for a bit is the way that dennis allen described he said he took a shot to the ribs i believe it was on thursday that the rib injury happened we saw Taysom kind of go off and then come back and then we didn't see him friday or saturday and he was he's been looking really good in that sort of new, not not necessarily new, but let's just maybe say heavier, more heavily focused pass catching role uh, that he's got going into this season. But um, you know, so certainly not uh, not ideal for the New Orleans Saints not be able to have him out on the field right now. But hey, look, he knows the playbook from a very specific angle. He knows it as a quarterback, so you assume he knows it really well as a tight end as well. So um, all will be well there. It doesn't sound like it's anything too severe, but we don't know exactly how long it'll be before we see him on the field again. And then obviously off the field, the biggest storyline being Alvin Kamara in court today 
for his incident in Las Vegas. Deshaun Watson was handed a six-game suspension this morning. In your mind, does that set any precedent for Alvin Kamara's situation? Yeah, it's a curious one. Um, It's tough because the NFL's code of conduct policy says that you know, first-time offenders for a violent crime, which is what this would be if everything stands for right now. There are certainly situations in which uh, Alvin Kamara's sort of charges can change or get dropped to a misdemeanor, things like that, that might change that uh, definition. But as things are right now, it would result in a a minimum six-game suspension, which is the same length that Deshaun Watson just received after facing more than 20 accusations of sexual misconduct so you wonder if that's really fair to alvin Kamara in that situation um it, it's more about you know the what precedent has been set in terms of the code of conduct policy than anything else but you kind of have to feel a little bit curious right now knowing that deshaun watson should be seeing a much longer suspension than alvin Kamara, just based upon what you know their their actions. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to see, and it'll certainly always be compared because of the fact that it's, you know, in the same offseason. But we have to remember last year, David Onyemata himself was also suspended for six games uh, due to violation of the PED policy, and that was because of what that PED policy and the code of conduct policy set forth as the, um, you know, being compliant with that agreement. So we'll see, you know, which way they lean with all of it. But, you know, it all starts with the, the legal matters first, which have to get clarified. So we'll see what happens with Alvin Kamara either today or if this continues to get continued or continues to go on in terms of the legal process. The NFL won't do anything until that legal process is concluded. Ross, are you surprised that the hearing is actually going to begin today? Because for a little while it seemed like it was just going to continuously get pushed back and this was going to be a problem that maybe they would deal with you know, next off season. Are you surprised that it's actually happening today? Not necessarily. I think you're, you, you know, many of us are sort of prepared for it to kind of go either way and to see where it goes. And again, this is just an early, this is a hearing too, so this would still be considered early on in the legal process. So this can still, you know, push and, and, and take time, even if this particular part of the process doesn't get post or didn't get postponed again or continued. So, you know, hopefully we see a, a quicker resolution to all this. I'm sure the New Orleans Saints would like to know exactly what it is that they're, uh, that they're going to experience in terms of the season with or without Alvin Kamara. They'd like to know that as quickly as possible. So, you know, that would be great for them, but we'll see. I mean, this can still go on for a while, even though this hearing is taking place today. Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast joining us here on RP3 and Company. Jameis Winston over the weekend hit Chris Olave on a beautiful 60-yard touchdown pass. Jameis really starting to look like he's healthy and back to normal. And he he seems excited to have the weapons that he has around him. You know, what's kind of the, the vibe you guys are getting from Jameis? Yeah, I mean, the work ethic is, is off the charts. Everyone that you talk to talks about his work ethic. You see him working early before camp, late after camp, and everything. Uh, you know, the thing that I'll really highlight, though, is his focus over the course of training camp so far. He's done a really good job focusing in on the areas that he wanted to improve upon, which, of course, started with that short and uh, short intermediate sort of quick passing game area. He kept good on his promise in terms of wanting to continue to develop and get better there, so he's been focused there. And, you know, you like the bounce back, too. You know, I'll point out that Jameis started uh, that same day of camp, Saturday, with two interceptions back-to-back. And I say that 
not to, you know, highlight Jameis Winston throwing interceptions, but instead to highlight the fact that he bounced back from that and then showed you his ability to sort of have that short memory you have to have as a quarterback, came back and then completed two passes back-to-back right after those interceptions, both of which to the the same areas where he had thrown the interceptions just a moment ago, and then comes back later on in the day with the uh, big touchdown to Chris Olave. So you like the way that he was able to maintain and he was able to you know, keep his eyes on, you know, moving forward and progressing, and that's something you need uh, from an NFL quarterback. You know, looking around the the team, running backs, obviously Kamara, Ingram, and Abram Smith being the big names, and then defensively, obviously Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, David on Yamada. What's the story with Tyron Matthew that that people have been talking about, you know, he's been excused from camp for for personal matters, but everybody's kind of freaking out on social media because on his Instagram page, everything Saints related has been removed. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I understand the concern. It's it's warranted. I, I get all of that. I, I tend to stay away from the social media scouting. I don't even know if these guys run their own social media accounts for the most part. And so for me, like, it, it, it's a private family matter is the reason why he's excused, and, and I just kind of leave it at that. We asked Dennis Allen if there's any kind of timetable on his return. Dennis Allen said no, which makes sense, because the first thing that DA told us before our camp kicked off when we had our pre-camp presser with him Tuesday night was that they're going to give him the time that he needs to take care of, you know, whatever it is that's ongoing. So I, I, you know, I don't really go or dig in much further than that. Once I hear that it's a private family matter thing at that point, everything is speculation until you know for sure what's happening. So I've, I've just kind of said, okay, well, when, when Matthew gets here, Matthew gets here. And, you know, if anything else happens from that, we'll learn the moment that it happens and, and we'll figure out why then But for now, I, I'm not really buying into much speculation. I'm just, you know, kind of looking at this as well. The saints are going to love to have him back when he's back. Hall of Fame game this Thursday night between the Raiders and the Jags. The Saints opened their wow. preseason on the 13th <laughs> against the Houston Texans. Ross, it, it's it's a little crazy the football's like actually here, right? Yeah, I don't know how, but I I kind of lost the fact that yeah, that is this Thursday night. That's how quickly this offseason has been moving. And of course, like the pace feels different this year than previous years because we got OTAs back, we got mini camps back, all this other stuff. So we didn't have as long of a quiet period between free agency and um, and the draft and uh, training camp opening up. So I guess maybe that's one of the reasons of the timeline so quickly. But yeah, it's it, it it's that close yeah. <laughs> that we're nights away from football, which is a, a really great feeling. Now lo- looking at the Saints' first preseason game on the 13th against Houston, what are some storylines that you're watching for in camp over the coming days before that first preseason game? Yeah, I think with pads going on, it gives us an opportunity to really get a chance to evaluate the trenches. So guys like Cesar Ruiz, who you're hoping to take a big step forward, we'll get a better idea of him in training camp as well as that first preseason game. And then, you know, Trevor Penning, the rookie first-round selection that's hopefully, you know, the Saints hope will be the starting left tackle of the future, even if he's not the starting left tackle of 2022. We get an opportunity to see what he's able to do in pads this week. And then, of course, 
out on the field. So um, I think that that's really what you're looking at is, is the development of these guys, particularly this week in the trenches at linebacker and at running back, because you're actually going to get to see them play their style of game. You know, the Saints went out and they signed running back Malcolm Brown, who's a slasher type in terms of being a running back. He's a guy that likes to run between the tackles. Hard to really evaluate, you know, how effective he is when, you know, no one's tackling and no one's, you know, and they don't have pads on and they're doing the whole, like, two-hand touch style stuff and everything like that. And so, you know, those are some of the things you're going to be looking for is how physical these guys can get when they play a physical brand of football now that the pads are on and the game is to be played the way it's meant to. Wrapping up with Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast. You know, Sean Payton's name has been continuously thrown around to come back to coaching um, over the weekend that heated up even more that he could be joining the or speculation that he could be joining the Dallas Cowboys next year. Do you truly see Sean Payton returning to coaching? I do see Sean Payton returning to coaching. I don't know that it's Dallas, though. I look at Sean Payton as somebody that is kind of like a Bill Belichick-level coach, not just in that he is one of the greater coaches in the NFL, but that he's the guy that wants to have opinions on roster building. He wants to have some sort of organizational input in terms of the direction of where the, the team goes, not just on the field, but you know, in terms of roster building. And as a franchise as a whole, I don't see him getting that in Dallas working with Jerry Jones. I see him getting that elsewhere and being able to uh, you know, still get involved as a young quarterback, for instance, and things like that. That would certainly bolster his ability for immediate success, which only more deeply entrenches the uh, organizational input that he'll get uh, if he's able to have some immediate success, much like he did in New Orleans. I, I just don't see that fit there in, in Dallas, not with him as a head coach. Now, of course, you never say never. He could go that way, but I think that there are places that make a little bit more sense for him if those opportunities become available. Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast joining us here on RP3 and Company. Ross, appreciate you taking the time, man. Try to stay cool in that in that killer New Orleans heat, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, you got it, buddy. I appreciate you so much as always. Thanks to you, everybody at the studio. Y'all take care. Stay safe. There he goes, Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast we'll take one more time out and when we return we'll finalize the poll question and we'll get you set for footnotes with kevin foot right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station in your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros welcome back into rp3 and company here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Hannah, we only got about six minutes left. You know, give give me your thoughts on, on this Monday morning edition of RP3 and Company. Um... Give me, a, give me a grade. How did I do filling in for RP3? I'll give you a B plus. B plus. Yeah. I will take that. You're welcome. I will take that. Made a lot of Bs in school, so <laughs> I will take that. You know, as as we get ready to, to wrap up here, let's update the poll question of the day. Will the Astros make a trade before the trade deadline? So far, 77.8% of you say yes. 
22.2% of you say no. I think the Astros not only make a trade, they make a trade today. Hmm. I think they get a deal done for Josh Bell today. Um, I read a tweet earlier that said that the Astros have the pieces needed to fulfill the Nationals' asking price and that they were prepared to offer that package to Washington today. So I think something could get done this afternoon. So we will we will see what happens with that. You know, I, I think a couple more dominoes are going to fall in the MLB. I don't think, obviously we talked about it earlier, I don't think Shohei Otani is going to get traded. I don't think that Juan Soto is going to get traded either. Although part of me wouldn't be surprised if it goes down before tomorrow. I don't know. If um, it doesn't happen by tomorrow, by you know deadline time, do you think he'll go and try to get traded for at the end of the season? Since you decided to you know skip out on the yeah. If he doesn't get traded tomorrow by tomorrow, he'll finish out this season obviously, but um, this off season. I think the Nationals are going to have no choice but to trade him. Because um, I, I really, you don't see it as much in baseball, but it could become one of those things where I'm not accepting a contract if you don't pay me. I mean, if you don't trade me, I'm not playing. And I'm a big believer of if you don't want to be here, I don't care how good you are, I don't want you here. Yeah. So if I'm the Nationals and he can't agree to any form of a contract with you, I get him out as quickly as possible. Now, don't settle your asking price too much. You're going to have to settle a little bit. But, I mean, get, get what you need, but I'd get him out as quickly as possible. Um, so that's one reason why I could see something going down today for the Juan Soto trade. You know, that that's going to be an interesting storyline if he doesn't get traded. You know, how does he treat that situation with the Nationals? Does he give 100% through the back half of the season? Does he, you know, start skipping out on games? That That's going to be interesting to keep an eye on if he, in fact, doesn't get traded before tomorrow's deadline, which, once again, is at 6 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. couple of MLB games on the scoreboard for today. Again, the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros will play at 7 o'clock, and you can hear it right here on the game. Some big games. How about the Mets and Nationals at 6.05? The Mariners and Yankees at 6.05 also. That's going to be a doozy. The Orioles and the Rangers at 7.05. You've got the Dodgers and the Giants. That's going to be another good one at 8.45 tonight. Recapping storylines of the day, Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88. Orlando Brown will report to Chiefs training camp today. Debo Samuel signing a massive contract extension to stay in San Francisco. And, oh, yeah, Deshaun Watson 
suspended six games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Interestingly, though, the NFL Communications Office has a media documents website for when you're reporting on things like this, you can pull up the personal conduct policy and figure out, you know, where. Interestingly enough, multiple people uh, posted on Twitter that they go to the documents site and the personal conduct policy disappeared. It's not there. So is there some shadiness going on with the NFL? That remains to be seen. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network, as well as Tim Leger, the offensive coordinator of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and our guy Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I am Matt Miguez reminding you to be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them on this Monday morning. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next. I will be back on Crunch Time tomorrow afternoon, 4 to 6, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.